Welcome to Spiritual Shit You Need to Know, a lifestyle podcast for millennial women, lightworkers, and spiritual badasses who are waking up, ready to tap into their powers, and own it like a true boss. I'm your host, Regis Cowan, spiritual entrepreneur and life coach, and my passion is helping women like you get out of your own way and step your mindset game up. Are you a spiritual woman who's questioning her life, wanting more meaning and purpose, and you're ready to live your most amazing life? then this is the place for you. Your time is now. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with my guest today, Zakira. Hi, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm super. I'm so glad you could join me today and our listeners so that you can share your story and give us some insight. So I'm excited to get started. Absolutely. So before we dive into some of the topics we're going to talk about today, um, give us a little bit of background on you. You have an extraordinary story. So just let our listeners know a little bit about how you got to where you are in life now and what your background is. Thank you. So I am Zakira, and right now I call myself a brand cultivating strategist, but I think I'm shifting to the nickname of Jade of all trades. So I am a cancer survivor. I have monocular vision. That means I see in one eye, but I also wear hearing aids in both ears. I am also a recently published author. I published the memoir, Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. And the more reviews I get, the more I realize maybe it's not really a memoir. It's more like a inspirational guide of how to really literally see life through a different lens. But that name title came about because I have a background in photography. Not only did my mom take a photo of me and take that photo around to multiple doctors in order to get the actual diagnosis of my childhood cancer called retinoblastoma, but also I am a photographer. She introduced me to a camera at the age of five, and since then I've literally photographed every place that I went and every person that I've met, and I studied it and in high school and post high school because it was a certification program and since then I've adapted to being a brand cultivating strategist because I have helped numerous small businesses and nonprofits to start or manage their small businesses and their social media brands so I have you know been thriving um for the past almost 30 years since the mm-hmm. diagnosis since the radiation and, um, yeah, I just depend heavily on spirituality and holistic nutrition and meditation. Awesome. So going back to your childhood story some, what was like, what was that like growing up? You know, you said once your mom found out that you did have this, um, you know, cancer diagnosis, like what did that look like growing up for you as a child and as a teenager having to go through those struggles? Well, for me, I think I'm blessed in a way because it never felt much like a struggle until I became a teenager and, you know, how teens are of everybody got their own opinions and all of that thing. So it was a great childhood. So I enjoyed growing up. I enjoyed the love from both my mother and my father. Um, My father was a CDL, 18-wheeler driver all of my life, so I may not have seen him a lot, but when I did see him, we had a great time, 
And um, it was rough only, you know, once I got to middle school and that's when bullying became more prominent and that's when um, I was coming into myself because I also am a um, Muslim woman. My parents converted uh, to the religion of Islam. And so, of course, at that time, I'm discovering my identity of to cover my hair or not cover my hair. And then, of course, puberty, I kind of got to puberty a little early as I would say, I got my menstrual cycle. Um, I was maybe about nine, but most kids my age at that time were getting it at around 11. So I already had breast buds. I already had, you know, the whole shebang. So right. puberty was kicking in too. So it was just, it only became challenging once I hit middle school. But for the most part, I never really saw myself as disabled in a negative light. Like that was not what the way that my parents raised me, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I think a lot of people have probably gone through, you know, something similar to that as far as like once, you know, we kind of lose ourselves after we get through with, you know, elementary school. Once we get to middle school and high school and we're trying to find ourselves, then that's when we start dealing with, you know, societal pressures and classmates and bullying. So I think it's, you know, good that you were able to see show that side of your life. Like I had a regular life. And I went through the same stuff that everybody else went through, you know, being in middle school and high school. I had some of those those same struggles. But as a small child, you know, I can definitely relate to that. I had a great childhood growing up. I didn't see anything as a struggle until I got to middle school and high school. And that's when things got crazy. Um, so I think that's great. I'm sure tons of people can relate to that, you know, showing that you had a regular life just like everybody else, you know, with or without this diagnosis. Absolutely. And I think that's the most important part because a lot of people, even though they view me as different, just from the outside, I look different, I sounded different. But in the end, uh, once people really got to know me, even now to this day, it's a matter of, oh, you know what, I can relate to her because I've been through the same exact thing. And that's what, you know, this life is all about, just finding someone who you can really relate to and every everything that you go through you grow through so you can help someone else get through it. And so how has, you know, your life journey, how has that impacted your spirituality, you know, growing up and finding your own spirituality and having your parents convert to Muslim? How has that affected your own personal spirituality? So probably also stepping into once I became a preteen, that became interesting because before I became a teenager, for one school year, I went to an Islamic school. And so think of it as like a, a a Christian boarding school of just you are in this school to better your religion, your your practices and your faith. And so I did it for one year. But of course, it was interesting because like every religion, I would say, has subcategories, I guess, of there's a certain ethnicity that practice this way um, or culturally they incorporate this and so it was different because that school that I went to was predominantly Middle Eastern and that's completely different than the way that for example my parents converted they found out about Islam through those who practice Nation of Islam which is completely different from, from those who, who were born into the religion in third world countries. So that became a struggle of, okay, I am an African-American Muslim woman, but, you know, why do some cover their hair? Why do some don't? Why 
uh, some uh, having arranged marriage in a while, some are not. So it became a matter of just exploring my own identity. I feel like by the time I got to travel on my own, well, first, my first few trips were with groups, but by the time I got to Ghana, I had graduated high school. I was 19, or about to be 19, and I had the chance to really explore my religion on my own. Um, this was also right before I moved to Washington, D.C., where I literally had to see for myself, like, okay, so I can choose to go to the place of worship or not. I can choose to be with a man of the same religion or not. And so it's just been an everyday, you know, I feel like life is my school. So I learned every day about myself, about others. And so it's just a never ending journey. And so traveling, because you said you went to Ghana and you were 19, what age were you once you, you know, started traveling and how did some of those experiences um, impact your life now? Well, my first trip out of the country was to Costa Rica. I was a sophomore in high school, so I think maybe this was 14 or so. And even then, I've always commonly been the only one, like the only Muslim or the only African-American, but one of few. So even then, it's been a matter of, of sometimes advocating for myself because there's not many people who, there's a lot of people, I would say, uh, at that time had not been around a Muslim woman. So it was different because if I'm not in an environment that knows and understands the most important style of meditation that we do in our religious culture is prayer. And we literally have to prostrate to the ground. And But it has to be a clean area. So it can't be, you know, like if I had a roommate at that time thinking of my next trip that summer, because I went to Costa Rica during my spring break and I was grateful to go to Europe in my summer going into junior year. So at that time, you know, we had roommates because we were staying in hotels. It was a completely different style of trips. But even then I was like, okay, I can't play in here. She's a hoarder. She, you know, tosses <laughs> her clothes everywhere. So it's just been a matter of like, okay, uh, how do I make this work? And so that's when, you know, it's just a matter of one advocating for myself and also problem solving, I would say too. Awesome. Awesome. I think too, it takes um, a strong personality, would you say, to really advocate for yourself? Because I think especially a lot of millennials or young people, you know, they have a lot of insecurities or they don't feel sure about themselves. But I think when you get to a certain point like that, how you were saying you have to advocate for yourself, um, you know, you really have to know what your needs are and to make sure that your needs get met. Absolutely. I do think that it's a matter of a strong personality and also a matter of a strong sense of self. I think because I grew up, I grew up an only child, even though I'm not an only child, my siblings are half my age. Like my sister, the sister that's next older to me, she jokes like, if I was a teen mom, you would have been my daughter. So like, <laughs> what are we doing here? So <laughs> I had a lot of um, time by myself. So I feel like that's what developed me into having a strong sense of self of knowing what I want, what I don't want. And especially I love writing. So if I was not, I'm an extroverted introvert. So I know how to be the life of the party when I need to be. But for the most part, I will chill at home on a Friday night with my journal, with my book, with the movie, with music. And most of the time, it's just having all that quiet time and when I can literally just hear 
my thoughts and hear um, other sounds that are, you know, helpful to help me get a better sense of self. Yeah, that's very important. I like that you said that you're the extroverted introvert because that's how I classify myself too. I'm like, I have no problem staying at home on Friday night, getting a movie or a book and just relaxing. And sometimes my friends think I'm crazy, but having that quiet time, that alone time is like the best thing ever. So I totally understand you there. Absolutely. Self-care is not selfish. It's not, and not at all. So let's talk a little bit. Um, I know as far as your book, you said it's called, tell me the name of your book again. Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. Okay. And our listeners can get that on Amazon. Is that correct? Absolutely. It's on Amazon as a paperback, as Kindle, and as audiobook. Awesome. So as of right now, what is it that you, what lights you up the most right now in your life? What are you doing that just excites you so much? Well, I do love working with people. I've always had a love for people. I actually thought that I would be a psychologist. I've always shifted from wanting to be a psychologist or a doctor or a therapist or something having to do with people. But then, you know, I (laughs) struggled so much with school because of, I would say, my my different abilities because, you know, I didn't process information mm-hmm. like everyone else. And I'm not, I'm a creative first rather than a mathematician. So school was difficult for me, but no matter where my route in life takes me, I tend to gravitate towards people. So I'm really enjoying kicking off my focus media group, which is a digital marketing agency and all woman owned digital marketing agency where I we focus on your social media so you don't have to essentially so because we love creating and if if we if you're a business owner who doesn't like creating doesn't like some social media aspect that's where we come in so we you know kind of help you with you know focusing on customer relations and and making product or whatever it is that you specialize in and and we focus on you know, the return on the investment from social media. So that's what I've been enjoying doing. I've been enjoying creating content, especially during this downtime. It's allowed a lot of time to create content. So I'm definitely enjoying getting back into that. Well, I could definitely use some help on that because I like posting sometimes, but not all the time. So people who love to do it, I applaud y'all. And I'm so happy that y'all are here because some people like me, we need a little help with our social media sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and if there is anyone who is thinking like this is me our website is ph is focused with the ph so p-h-o-c-u-s-e-d mediagroup.com awesome awesome and so you have gone on a holistic journey i know and so tell us a little bit about your holistic nutrition journey well, I believe my holistic nutrition journey really began through my mother. Um, she was observing ways to keep me strong, keep me healthy. Because first, I was born a preemie. I was born a whole four weeks early. I was actually supposed to be wow. born on my brother's birthday, which is my dad's son. I was supposed to be born on his birthday, which is January 13th, but ironically, I was born on his older sister's birthday, which is December 20. Crazy, right? Wow. So I was born early, and then it was literally nine months. I was nine months old when I had surgery for the removal of my right eye, which is where the tumor 
was sweating. So at that time, of course, there's radiation. And then my mom observed that I was not eating and I was not sleeping. I was always nocturnal and it even started then. So they would, you know, we lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's where I was born. And they would take me to the beach and naturally water would make me go to sleep. But then to help me ease into eating and enjoying eating, my mom found a nutritionist and an herbalist and had a few herbs incorporated in my smoothies and milkshakes. And ironically, to this day, I still love smoothies and milkshake, especially as a go-to, especially as a snack. So once I was living on my own in Washington, D.C., when I moved up there for my photography certification program, I, too, was exploring how can I try to eat more healthily? How can I avoid the food that cause inflammation because also when I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS. So of course, dairy, certain meats, um, certain fast food just cause inflammation in me, which means my skin will look very, have a lot of acne or I will not have regular menstrual cycles. So there's a lot of also, you know, ways, how can I keep myself healthy, keep myself alive? So also I observed, my mom and I both observed that every time we went for a follow-up checkup with my cancer doctor, my oncologist, he would always say, thank you, really, really good. And I definitely believe that we can attribute it to all the fruits and veggies. And I actually love my greens. So I feel like that's been my journey holistically of nutrition-wise, of just always finding ways to be more healthy. Yeah, that's great. That's kind of like what happened to me. And I started my, my holistic journey. I've always somewhat, you know, been healthy, ate my fruits and veggies. Parents always tried to give me, you know, healthy meals and things. And then I started having eczema and asthma. And I had um, a left ovary removed because I, I had a tumor on it um, almost three years ago now. And so again, found out I had endometriosis and, you know, a lot of that, which is inflammation in the body. And so I, my thing was, let me figure out how can I cut the inflammation? So, you know, cutting coffee, caffeine, and like you said, fast foods and things like that to basically keep yourself healthy. Um, I also know that it's really important right now. You know, this is like, I'm sure a mantra for me and you to be healthy and have a holistic, you know, nutrition background. But for so many people now who haven't done it with COVID-19 going around, it's like so many people are starting to see now how important it is to have a healthy lifestyle and to have healthy nutrition because you need to build up your immunity. Absolutely. And um, interesting enough, you and I are technically at risk for it. So of course, not only are we trying to strengthen our immune system first with what we eat, but also I want to give a shout out to not only all the amazing essential business workers, but also the dietitians and nutritionists and meal planners and fitness coaches, you know, because they too are the should be considered the essential businesses um, during this time. They are the ones who I feel like will thrive or come, you know, out on the other side if people are really ready, you know, to make that shift. Yeah. Um, You know, my biggest thing is like, I'm here to help and I can lead you to the water, but I can't make you drink it. But there's so many, you know, health coaches and, uh, you know, aspiring people who want to help you but you have to want it for yourself. And so unfortunately something like this had to happen to kind of give everybody a kick in the pants, but hopefully those who got the call, quote unquote, that they will answer the call. 
Absolutely. The quote that I've been keeping in mind lately is, uh, you can only help those who want to help themselves because naturally I'm an anagram too, which is a helper. And, you know, I just love helping people, but like, I feel like I've caused my own heartbreak in the past as a result of that. If like, I see that you need help, but I'm doing all this help and you don't even want to receive it. So it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I understand. I'm I'm there too. I've had to learn over the years. I think that's been part of my journey and my struggle too, is knowing my strengths and knowing that I can be um, a helper to people and that I can be there for them, but they have to want it themselves more than I want it for them. And so kind of taking care of myself first before extending all my energy to help somebody else, you know, make sure that it's something that they want and that it's mutual for both of y'all. Right. I think the greatest example is when we are flying. <laughs> That's why they say, put your mask on first. I mean, I think people have been using that example a lot more. And I mean, I travel so much, so it's overlooked, but it makes the most sense when applied to life. Definitely. And so you said that Atlanta played a huge role in your life. So how does that, how does Atlanta, because y'all know I'm in the Atlanta area. How does that play into your life now? Well, ironically, my parents met there and my dad is from East Tennessee and my mom is from New York City. So after my dad got out of the military and finished his studies in Ohio, where also my dad's side of the family is from, he wanted to move to Atlanta. It was an entrepreneurial hub. And that's also where he wanted to be around more of his people. By the time he was really um, growing into being a Muslim man. And then my mom, she had been following, you know, the civil rights era and the arts uh, era um, at that time in Atlanta and wanted to be a part of it. And she hated it was done with the winters up there. <laughs> so she wanted warmer <laughs> weather. So my parents met there, but my mom already had, a, well, both of my parents actually already had kids separately. Um, so technically I have siblings who are born and kind of sort of raised in Atlanta. Both of my siblings on my dad's side went to um, FAMU, the college, the historically black college in Florida, but they were born and raised in Georgia. And then my mom's daughter established a business in Atlanta once she graduated high school and the whole bit. So even though I was the only one born in Florida, technically my roots are in Atlanta. <laughs> and it makes sense for me because when I did move from Washington, D.C., originally that was my goal. I wanted to move from D.C. to Atlanta. But things were changing, at least for me financially, and also for my parents health-wise, my dad finally retired from being a truck driver, but then his health, I feel like, was starting to deteriorate even back then. So I moved home for a bit. And But even when I did move home, where they live is, if you take the back roads, the country back roads, it's literally two hours away oh, wow. from Atlanta. So I was there every, every single month because, of course, it's a creative hub. It's ideal for entrepreneurs. So I was there, I would stay with my sister. And once I, cause my brother and I, I would say were estranged, but only because, again, this is my brother from a previous marriage. So once those kinks got worked out, you know, with the previous marriage, then it's like, okay, now I can get to know my brother. So of course, once he started having kids, kids kind of change perspectives. So once he started having kids, then I was able to stay with him, help him with the kid, get to know my nieces, 
because at that time it was just my niece and now I have a nephew. Um, so yeah, I would just family and creativity. And honestly, it would be a great place for my agency too. So I feel like that's how it's a majorly full circle. I didn't realize this because, you know, my parents left because of course there's great things about Atlanta, but then there's also really bad things about Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. They vividly remember the bad things. So they were like, I would have moved to Atlanta if I were you. Maybe you should move to Nashville. And I mean, I took their advice and ironically, I got married and I was married for about five years. And that's what I did in Nashville. I was a wife. I, I worked a few jobs and you know, try to establish myself in Atlanta as well. But uh, I'm sorry, Nashville. Try to establish myself in Nashville as well. But Atlanta was always calling my name. Yeah. Well, you can come on back to Atlanta. We'll gladly take you and your business and all your offerings and everything you have because I think it'll be a great move for you. And it is an entrepreneurial hub. So it's perfect for people like us to be here in Atlanta. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'll accept the invitation. Well, now you just have to wait until we get past this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, and then maybe you can pack up and move once all that's over. Of course, right. Then <laughs> no. we can't even touch each other, so what's the point? <laughs> and so you also have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yes, my podcast is called The Living Legacy Podcast, where women of purpose share stories of resilience. And... It shifted so many times. I'm now in season three. Every season, there's kind of a different theme. So the first episode, the first season, actually also the first episode, the very first episode is really a detailed experience of my life being a cancer survivor and how the cancer diagnosis came about. But the first season was really just a matter of allowing other listeners to get to know me. And then I would also interview other people who were relevant or on the same story as my own. And then season two was pretty much a book promotional season because there were a lot of stories that either was were about to go into the book or I shared excerpt from the book. So season two kind of became a book excerpt of a few of the stories that I did share here. I'll talk about more first on the podcast and then also in my book. And now season three is when I realized what, people like and what they don't like and so they really love to talk about the hard stuff they love to know what people really went through to get to where they are and how they implemented mental health how they implemented budgeting how they implemented you know everything that we all struggle with every single day to get to where they are because a lot of these people are at because there is no such thing as overnight success but for some people, especially on social media, it looks like it. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the interviewers that I do have, and they're entirely female because I want to focus on that, prioritize females, um, of how they got to that point. So that's actually what the podcast is. Originally, I wanted it to be um, a like a media, entirely a media and a photography podcast because especially since Atlanta is also a music hub, I wanted to shine a positive light on the music industry. But then as I started getting various interviewers, I was like, um, I think we're shifting in a different direction. And that's say, okay, because I would still talk about music here and there, and I would still ask people what their favorite song is. But um, I feel like it's bigger than that at this point. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because I procrastinated on starting it for years because I was just, you know, 
in my own way, but it's been great. Um, I've reached a great achieving number of downloads and a lot of people have told me how impactful and inspirational the podcast is and I've gotten a few speaking gigs from it so I'm grateful for it. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. It's funny how that happens. Like you may have an idea in your mind of how you're going to, you know, process or how you're going to set things up for yourself or what your focus is going to be. And then things just kind of shift and, you know, you get feedback from listeners and other people and it kind of shifts and it may go in a different direction. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's just where you're being called to show up and serve. And I think a lot of people get so set in how they're going to plan things out that it's okay to just let this be a discovery process because that's how we get to where we are in life and how we have all these beautiful experiences is by just kind of going with the flow sometimes. So I think that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And I think also what I realized is like, if you were given a vision, it was really given to you and you only. So even if you say hey, let's start this podcast, or hey, let's do this thing together, there's a reason why the other person tends to lag, because they wasn't there, but then it was yours. So your timing is different from theirs. Yes, definitely. And so you said you were getting in your own way. Talk a, bit, a little bit about that, because I think right now, honestly, I feel like we're all going through this COVID-19. Uh, I think it's a spiritual awakening for a lot of people. And so talk a little bit about like, how did you get in your own way? Because I think a lot of people are starting to wake up and realize like things that I wasn't doing or I wanted to do that I've been putting on the back burner. Now's the time for me to finally step up and do it. So I think I mentioned a recent um, life event that happened, which is I recently, you know, got divorced. The divorce was finalized. And I mean, everybody's different. Some people were like, sorry. Some people were like, congratulations. But honestly, um, it, it was really nothing but lessons and blessings. And I would say, really, I was in my own way because naturally, like any woman, we're natural nurturers. So we want to make sure the other person is good before us. So one, that's one of the ways I was definitely uh, in my own way. Two, there is such thing as fear of success. So even though I've, I've, accomplished a lot in my life and I've survived a lot in my life there's still moments where I think back and I'm like what happens if you know there's sometimes there are those moments of fears of success um sometimes there's also imposter syndrome because once again looking at someone's uh getting to the end of their success that what looks like is is feels like you know that you're beginning and you kind of feel like imposter syndrome, like, oh, I'm not as good as her, or I will never get as much followers as her, or I will never make as much money as her. And so you feel that sometimes. And I'll admit, you know, that that was one of my um, ways too. And then, of course, it took a while for me to positively recognize that I am a survivor because most survivors don't last a certain age, especially if you look at your statistics of your own diagnosis. And so sometimes I would be like, eh, I don't have to do that because I'm not going to live that long, blah, 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 blah. So I had um, that mentality of it doesn't matter, I don't matter, things of that sort. So it took really just me impacting more people, reaching out to more people, photographing more people, traveling to more countries to realize, okay, now I know what my purpose is. 
and now I just need to stay focused on it. So I feel like once I kind of have the the alternative mentality shifts of all of those negative opinions, that's when I was finally able to get out of my own way. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I can definitely agree and resonate with that as well. I think especially, you know, young people, I call my quarter life crisis, I call it my millennial life crisis because you kind of go through this phase of, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're just going through the motions and you're not sure where you want to be and what you want to do. Um, so one, you know, thing that I always say is like, it's okay to just, you know, go with the flow, but take some chances, do some things and you just never know, you know, where it's going to lead you. And like you said, imposter syndrome, not to compare yourself to everybody else. I get it. We are in a society where, you know, that's huge. How many followers do you have? Who's looking at me? I'm not good enough. Um, but to just be able to, you know, be in your own zone and know that you're enough and especially us women, because my podcast focuses majorly on women, too, um, to know that we're enough and that it's OK to take care of ourselves first before we take care of other people and that we can still, you know, make room for ourselves. Absolutely. I agree. And I think also it's the matter of following your intuition. So, sure, you were given its vision, but you're the only one who's saying no. Like the vision was already given to you to complete if you were not the one meant to complete it. So just a matter of also following your intuition and sticking to your intuition, even when others say, I don't think that's a good idea, or how do you know you make money from that? Or, you know, no matter what it is, it's, it's your intuition that you follow. And I know for me, I've gotten kicked in the butt several times for not listening to my intuition. You know, when things don't happen the way that they were supposed to, or if I didn't listen to my intuition, and I'm like, dang, why did I do that? I knew I should have did X, Y, Z, but somebody talked me out of it because they didn't think it was a good logical thing to do. And so I think going through those lessons, you learn that, okay, you know what? Let me just follow my own gut and do what I'm supposed to do. And if other people don't like it, then that's just too damn bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let our listeners know um, where we can find you online and how we can get in contact with you. Well, you can find me everywhere on social media at Illuminous One, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-O-U-S-O-N-E. Um, and I mean literally everywhere, except for TikTok. I'm not, I don't, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> but uh, you can also go to my website <laughs> at Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com. Zakirinayar.com, my first name, which is Arabic for the hereafter, my middle name, which is Arabic for luminous, um, dot com. So dot com, and that's where you can find out about my services. Through there is also linked to my photo and marketing services and my book as well, if you want um, like an autographed copy. And yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Oh, sorry, my Living Legacy podcast is everywhere um, also. Perfect. Perfect. And I'll put all this in the show notes so that everybody can get access to the links and you can connect with Sakira. Thank you for joining me. I was so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Awesome. All right, y'all. I'll see you on another episode. Thanks for listening to Spiritual Shit You Need to Know, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes, subscribe and leave me a five star review. Don't forget to sign up for your free Millennial Life Crisis Guide at bit.ly forward slash free crisis guide. 
And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram for more spiritual inspo at spiritual shit podcast.